Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Nationals podcast. Today, it is the 22nd of June, 2022. And joining us today, as he does every single week, it is Matt Weirich of NBC Sports Washington today, talking about some comments from Mike Rizzo, the GM of the Washington Nationals. Talked about Lane Thomas and his future with the ball club. Some interesting comments there to get to. And also want to get Matt's thoughts on my stock exchange, the National Stock Exchange on Monday. Stock up, stock down, kind of his thoughts on that and more coming up on the show. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right. Once again, Matt Wyrick, NBC Sports Washington is here. Matt, how are you? Are you enjoying the Beltway battle right now? Are you in Baltimore? I was yesterday. Back, um, back, just drove out there for the game. Um, back in uh, Arlington today. So, and you recently moved too, right? New backdrop. That's right. Yeah, it's uh, a work in progress back there. So the the uh, backdrop is not finalized just yet. Um, but most of the moving moving boxes are out of the way, so that's good. Uh, all right. So I'm going to ask you, and that's good. We're, we're we're excited for you. You know, m- moving on, moving up. I guess is is the right way to say it. Um, there were some comments made by Mike Rizzo. You and I were talking before the show in his junkies interview about Lane Thomas. Tell us what those comments were and you know what he said. And also while you do that, I'm going to open the door for a dog that's pawing at it. So we don't have that distracting us. So tell the folks what Mike Rizzo said about Lane Thomas. Absolutely. He was asked uh, on the junkies this morning on NBC sports, Washington and 1067, the fan uh, about Lane Thomas and where he kind of fits in, whether he's a core guy, he's, you know, off to a, a pretty good streak here. He's hitting 310 with a 949 OPS so far in the month of June. And he actually started his hot hitting a little bit back in May as well. So uh, he has been hitting very well for them and, and providing a source of power uh, in maybe ways that fans weren't expecting. And, and Rizzo in response to that question said, uh, Thomas is, quote, definitely part of the core group of guys that will move forward and be our next championship caliber club. That's some high praise for the 26-year-old outfielder who probably at this point is, is a, considered a fourth outfielder, maybe not somebody that you might think would be a starter for a team competing for championships, but that the fact that Rizzo thinks that he can be part of that group and uh, whether it's coming off the bench or whether it's starting, uh, certainly it's it's something that uh, you you want to hear from a team uh, a evaluator talking about a player who's who's hitting well uh, and, and has a lot of team control. So the, that they see so highly in Thomas uh, is certainly a, bodes well for his future. And he's a really interesting player because um, he was involved in a trade last year. Really, we you and I have mentioned this a million times. I think especially when it comes to relievers, we say this a lot. Change of scenery guy, right? There's a whole draft where there's a chance. I mean, the Rule 5 draft is really like a change of scenery draft, essentially. Sometimes injury stuff, but like it is a change of scenery draft for some guys. He's kind of in that category, right? Um, Not a Rule 5 guy, but like he needed a change of scenery. Showed up in D.C., did really well last year. Then this year got off to a rough start. That month of May was not very good. April wasn't great either. But this month of June, and he's now had 71 ABs, he's hitting 310, 372 on base percentage, a 577 slugging, a 949 OPS, 
the power output's been really five homers in a month, 11 runs driven in. I like him in that, you know, Victor Robles brings something different, right? He brings the speed element. I think that's what really they, they look for when they have him at the bottom of the lineup. Lane's kind of something different, right? I mean, he is a bit more action-packed, if you will, for a guy that maybe hits eighth, hits ninth, or also we've seen him hit first. And so I, I think you're. I, I think because of the amount of team control that he has, you know, maybe I maybe I wanted to see him get a few more reps than he has this year. But Yadiel was was hitting so well at certain points, they just couldn't take him out of the lineup. At least that's my read on why. You know, maybe we saw a little bit less of Lane, more of Yadiel. So I think he's a really interesting player. I think you're right. I mean, you know, what he's providing them right now overall on the year, like 237, 298, 418, 715, and an OPS plus of 105, like it's pretty good stuff. It's, it, you know, it's, it's above average in some respects, especially lately. He's been playing a lot better. Yeah. You know, I, he got off to such a terrible start. In, yeah. And Davey has just kind of been uh, going with the hot hand there in left field. And so for a while it was Yadiel. Now it's been Lane for the past couple of weeks. And, you know, Thomas has been hitting up near the top of the order, too. He's been doing some leadoff, hitting some second. Uh, I believe last night he was down at ninth, which kind of is, is a, honestly equivalent to that uh, and just being up there in front of the top of the order mm-hmm. guys. So, you know, David Martinez has been putting him uh, in positions to succeed and he has been coming through. Uh, you know, I, I was actually kind of high on Thomas coming into the year. I really liked what we saw from him down the stretch last season. Uh, certainly it, it isn't something that, you know, you can really count on certainly him hitting at this level uh, for the rest of the season and beyond. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say that the expectation should be that he would be their starting left fielder or anything, uh, you know, next season and, and moving forward. But certainly what he's been doing right now is shows that he can't have value at this league. And I thought it was interesting. You talk about Robles and how he brings the speed element. Uh, Lane Thomas's sprint speed in feet per second is 28.8. Victor Robles is 28.4. So Thomas mm. is technically a little bit faster. Now, he's only stolen one base this year, so he hasn't been super aggressive. Uh, on the base pass, maybe as much as, as Robles has been, uh, which, but that is, which has not always been positive. Was not always been positive for Victor, right? I this mean... is true. Yeah, <laughs> this is very true. Thomas may be being a bit more selective uh, in his spots, but that's something maybe that uh, as he gets more playing time, maybe we'd like to see a little bit more as him swiping for more bats. Yeah. You know, with this team, like I, I'd like to see him get more bats because Yadiel as a player is like actually got, you know, he's under team control, but he's just, he's older. Right. And so I would like to see I would like to see them with what Mike is saying. You know, he's got to be getting more reps. Yadiel's still been good, and he's come back down to earth some, but he's still been really a really good a really good hitter, I think, for them. But I think Lane's got to get more reps just because of what we saw last year. Like this is once again sample sizes are important, but he gave us a pretty good dose last year, and what we're seeing right now looks a lot like that. And so I I do I want to see that more often because. You know, with a guy like this, this is one of those you kind of ran into, right? And so I want to see, all right, how far can we take this? And he's 26. So with that speed element you mentioned, you know, he's kind of 26 to 29, at least in my opinion, is kind of the prime for your speed. You'll make, you'll be fast for a while. But like he's never going to be faster than he is from 26 to 29, right? It's kind of the golden, you know, your golden years in terms of your physical prime. So I, I want to see them carry this thing as far as they can and, and see what kind of asset he is. I mean, it's already a win, in my opinion, for what they gave up. You know, John Lester's on a one-year deal and is now a retired player. And out of John Lester came a guy that the GM now says is is a guy they plan on having moving forward. I mean, it's already a win. 
let's see how much Wimley can take it. I know they're not trying to win games, but like this is the perfect time to get him as many reps as possible and get him comfortable with being an everyday guy, whether it be, you know, is, is he the guy they turn to in extra innings to be put on base, right? Is he the guy they turn to for pinch hit at bats? We saw that the other day, I believe, against the Phillies. Um, you know, he's one for one in that game. Like, is that going to be what Lane Thomas, Lane Thomas is? And I, I want to keep seeing it. Yeah, you know, and I think that his ability to hit righties is also going to be a very key factor. You know, he's a 690 OPS uh, against right-handed pitching this year, which is much lower than his figure against lefties. So his ability to, you know, not just be a platoon bat, but somebody that the Nationals could uh, rely on in, in any situation is, is going to be key for him and his development. Uh, but like you said, just giving him reps, giving him opportunities, that's what the season's all about. Yadiel Hernandez, as much as maybe, you know, the Nationals might be able to get something in a trade for him, uh, and as much as he's shown that he can hit, uh, you know, he's 34 years old and, and Thomas right. is 26. And if, if Thomas is a guy that Mike Rizzo believes can be part of their core in their next championship club, then they'll probably want to see him as much as possible just to make sure that they've got the right guy. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Sports Investor Card. Uh, guys, if you guys are into this realm, it's the place to be, whether you are a casual card collector or looking for excitement and, and alternative investment opportunities. The free sports card investor app has something for you. It's available at all of the app stores. Uh, they have players like Adley Rushman, Jeremy Pena. You know, they're making the jump right now. Players like Luis Garcia is, uh, you know, is making that jump. So they want to get in on a sports card for him. Go download the sports investor, uh, the sports card investor app today. Available free for Google, uh, Google Play, or in the app store. Go to sportscardinvestor.com backslash locked on to learn more. All right, Matt. So I did the stock exchange the other day for the Nationals. Stock up. Uh, Josh Bell was the first guy I had to go with. And I want to tie this into the all-star stuff. You know, I think the reason why Juan, wasn't, Juan Soto wasn't considered for MVP last year is how bad the Nationals were down the stretch of the season. Thought he deserved more consideration than he got, in my opinion. I think there was a real, I think there was a real legit, can, you know, case for MVP last year. With how good he was. How I mean, you know, there's being good in the bad team, and then there's putting up obscene, disgusting numbers that we've you know rarely seen before. That's different level, and I thought he didn't get consideration for that. Josh Bell is, you know, that first base spot in the National League is really difficult, but I feel like he should get a little bit more consideration than he has. I believe you tweeted about it yesterday. Ninth right now in the first base voting. I mean. This his as as he kind of just keeps being consistent. That stock for him keeps rising because I think the the knock on him is inconsistency. He's shown to be pretty consistent over the last year. I think now you know, it's, it actually is at this point now like a full year of him being really good. Um, I, I think with that, like he deserves more All Star consideration, but also, man, is he going to be an asset? Like the the haul the Nationals forget should get for him could be pretty impressive. Yeah, you know, with a guy in in an expiring contract, final year of his deal, I wouldn't say you can expect too much just because there's such little control, you know, as opposed to like what they got in the Max Scherzer, Trey Turner deal. Uh, when you have Trey Turner with two years, that was really what got, uh, you know, both of those guys really in Ruiz and, and uh, Josiah Gray. You know, I think that some people kind of said, oh, they got Kbert for Max, uh, or sorry, Kbert for, for Trey and Josiah for Max, but really... I don't think either of those two guys would have been on the table if not for Trey Turner and his two years in control. So I think that's a, an important thing to note there. But you also uh, but, have the ability to re-sign him, and it's not like he's going to be a, a $200 million player, right? I mean, I think it's a guy that, you know, maybe a 
Kyle Schwarber type contract. I mean, is that fair? You think in that in that realm because he's had the good he had the good nineteen. Yeah. Obviously, you know, not as good in twenty. Hitting and then well a, now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, a pretty good season last year. Like that. That could be. I think that a hundred million dollar contract is something that Josh Bell should be reasonably shooting for. You know, he's still under thirty. You know, got some good years ahead of him. Uh, you know, can be. It's a not like movement. Hitter. It's not like movement's really needed at first either, right? I mean, you know, and with the <laughs> DH being now in the National League, you know, there's a lot of opportunity there. And he's a switch hitter. Uh, I was going to mention this. You know, it, with him being a switch hitter. You know, I think that honestly, it came down to him and, and Ozzy Albies and is, is Jose Ramirez a switch hitter. I can't remember. I think he is. Not sure. I think I those. I'm not sure, but um, you know, I, I think that Bell is one of the best switch hitters in baseball. You know, in that group right there, um, and, and certainly somebody that I think can help out a lot of teams. He actually, uh, I was just looking at this before the show. He has three defensive runs saved this year. That's the highest on the Nationals, which is really not, I think, a good, uh, you know good thing for right. three to be your highest total on the team, but he's arguably been their best defensive player this year, at least by advanced metrics. Uh, so that's been impressive for him at first base. He can play first. He hits from both sides of the plate. He can be your DH. You know, I, I think a team uh, like the uh, Blue Jays, which is really right-handed heavy, could really benefit from from adding a guy like Bell uh, into its lineup. Now, they really have a log jam uh, in their offense right now with two catchers and Gabriel Moreno and Alejandro Kirk, both uh, making cases for playing time. So I'm not sure where he would even fit in at this point, uh, but certainly there are going to be a lot of teams that are going to be interested uh, in Bell's services, and I think that the Nationals will play their cards right, have a bit good bidding war for him, and and get back you know some a uh, reasonably good package. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think the switch hitter aspect to me is what's really important it, because especially like you and I had mentioned, well maybe Riley Adams gets some reps at first. Josh Bell has been so good hitting both sides, you know. Just because you're a switch hitter doesn't always guarantee you're going to hit well against against righties and lefties, right? Um, he's hitting smaller sample size, 89 ABs, hitting 281 with a 368 OPS against lefties, and then he's crushed righties, 301. Um, but you know he's got had some power, four homers uh, for him from the right side of the plate, and then uh, seven from the left. I mean, you know he's almost at 20 RBIs from that from the left side, and, and almost just 89 at bat. So he's really done a great job from that side of the plate. And I think that level of versatility, while you're spot on about the contract situation, it could very much just be a rental. I think that versatility is what actually gives you the extra tick because that's not something, you know, offering 280 plus from either side of the plate with legitimate power and the ability to drive and runs. That's not, it's not common. No. And this, it's also going to be very much a seller's market this year. Uh, not a lot of star talent is really expected to be available at the trade deadline. So Bell, while he, you know, isn't getting a lot of love for all-star votes right now. And, and honestly, with how uh, tough, you know, that first base is, I mean, you got Paul Goldschmidt, you got Freddie Freeman, you got Pete Alonzo. I mean, just breaking into that top three is going to be really hard for Bell uh, in terms of all-star consideration. But uh, even if he's not an all-star, you know, he's been one before teams know who this guy is and, and what he brings to the table when he's hitting well. You know, he had four home runs in 48 hours uh, was the first mm. time uh, in his career uh, that he had done that. But that, that series against the Phillies just went off uh, from the power department. And he's certainly capable of doing things like that. Uh, does have a three homer game on his ledger at one point in his career. So, uh, you know, when he's on and, and he's locked in, I mean, he's seeing beach balls out there. So yeah. uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what he does for the Nationals over these next, you know, basically five weeks uh, leading up to the deadline. We're, we're getting closer and closer now. Uh, to where these conversations are actually, you know, going to be warranted soon. Um, but, you know, I, I think that overall, whoever does get Bell is going to be getting a really, really good player. 
Another guy's stock up I had was Josiah Gray. And uh, I was so curious to see how he would do against the Phillies because, you know, he had those back-to-back really good starts against Miami and Cincinnati. And then my question is, okay, well, you know, let's see how he does against what's been a really good lineup. Has trouble in the first. And after that, he was spectacular. And they extended him. hundred. You know, he went 101 pitches in that. And that was the first time all year he went at least 100 pitches in the game against Miami. Goes back out, you know, uh, I know he had, uh, they skipped his start so they, they could give it a little extra length. And I was wondering if how, how much that affected him too. Um, 117 pitches, you know, only four Ks, but, you know, he gets nine ground balls in that game. You know, I talked about him, fly ball pitcher. I mean, this this was him learning. He, he looked like a different, this was a high strikeout guy. This was, you know, working against guys. He was even on fly balls and ground balls. This to me was his best start. And we can see him learning because some good lineups got to him a little bit earlier on in the year. And he's on a really nice four game stretch right now. And I think this is what you want to see. He is learning. He is learning. The end result numbers, don't pay attention to those. Watch what we see in the games. Obviously, he's analytics and things like that as well. But don't look at the ERA at the end of the year for Josiah Gray. That's not, that's not what's going to matter against good teams. Is he improving against bad teams? Is he doing well? And I thought he did you know, that against the Reds and the Marlins. Absolutely. I mean, you know, he had those two starts, as you mentioned, one against the Astros uh, and one against the Dodgers, which he gave up combined 13 runs, six and one, seven and another. And, and that's really inflated his overall season numbers. But uh, over these last four starts, 0.82 ERA, twice as many strikeouts as walks, uh, which is a really important figure for young pitchers. And, and really the number that stands out to me, two home runs in 22 innings. Uh, yes. He kind of got unlucky there o- over that first month and a half in, in home runs. He uh, was giving up a ton of long balls. And, and if you looked at like, you know, whether these home runs would have been homers in other parks, you know, he was on the unluckier side of that. Uh, so certainly there's been some regression there over these last four starts. And as you said, the, the Phillies are a very good lineup. This was a big test for him. Uh, and he came out and, and delivered six scoreless innings. Uh, really just looked pretty dominant there. It kind of ran into the, some trouble in the sixth, but Davey Martinez let him work his way out of the jam and he got the strikeout to end it. I mean, overall, just a really impressive outing for him. Uh, I think that the Nationals have to be really pleased with what they have seen from their young right-hander. You know, I know that that scouts kind of project him to be a number two, number three pitcher uh, in, in the future as far as what he can be for the Nationals. I think that does a little uh, disservice to what Josiah Gray can be. You know, I think he flirts with eighth status. Uh, you know, in some of his best starts, you see that this is a guy who can absolutely dominate a game. Uh, you know, he has had a few games where he's racked up the strikeouts. It's certainly something that when he's on, uh, he can really do. So I'm interested to see how he kind of continues this and, uh, you know, what his numbers look like at the end of the year. Because if he can stay on this kind of streak, uh, they're certainly going to be looking a lot better. Man, I would say, though, I'd say to you, even if he is a really good two, a really good three, there's nothing wrong with take, that. The Nats need to take that because of. I mean, the lack of development they've had. Look, and what we know the fleet of young arms is there right now, but just the fact that the guy you traded for and immediately was in the majors. I mean, look, right, right now, you know, I don't necessarily believe in everything about that trade that happened to the Dodgers, but you have to say the two, the two big pieces of that so far, like really good. Everything they could have hoped for. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they look like young guys, you know, they make mistakes, but like I see them learning from those mistakes, which is really exciting. One more quick word in our sponsors. I'm going to ask you about Juan Soto and his struggles. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn. Sun's coming out for summer and small businesses are back after the pandemic 
is over. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people you want to interview faster and for free. Uh, It's the largest professional network out there. Over 810 million people are on there. Nearly 40 million people visit uh, LinkedIn every single week. Those job seekers are out there. Post your job free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. It's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Also, we got a dog barking. What is happening here? Uh, today's show is brought to you by Blue Nile. Go to Blue Nile today to get a beautiful piece of jewelry for that special person in your life. BlueNile.com. All right, I'll ask you about one Soto so we can help the dog out right here. Um, what do you think is wrong? Like, what do you think? Is it he's pressing too much? The runners in scoring position thing is an anomaly. It really is. And actually, I want to ask you this, Matt. He almost seems like he'd be a really good leadoff hitter at this point. He's hitting for a decent amount of power. He's still getting on base a good amount. Maybe leadoff would be interesting. Now, I know they don't, they're going to have the horses behind him to support that. But I think with the way he's hitting with runners in scoring position, maybe he should be the guy who gets into scoring position for the other guys. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I, we talked to Soto last week, and it's interesting. He said earlier this season that he has been pressing too much, right, and that he was swinging at pitches he really shouldn't be swinging at. But then he came back last week and said that he was taking pitches that he doesn't normally take, you know, a lot of called strikes that maybe he should have pitches he should have in the zone he should have been swinging at. So he said he was just kind of all over the place. He's trying to figure things out, uh, working on his swing. Uh, you know, I've noticed when he makes contact, I mean, it goes a long way. He had a foul ball. Uh, you know, which we don't get exit velo numbers on foul balls, unfortunately, from StatCast. But he hit a ball into the triple deck of uh, the third deck uh, at Camden Yards yesterday. That was maybe like, you know, 15, 20 feet foul. Uh, but certainly just uh, it was everybody in the press box just kind of gasped. I mean, it was just when Soto make contact, it's hard. And, you know, he's got 14 home runs on the year. It's funny because we talk about how, oh, he's leading the late majors in walks and he's still got a pretty good OPS, uh, you know, even though this is what a down year for Juan Soto looks like. His, his slugging percentage is also kind of propping that number up a little bit. He is hitting the doubles and the, the home runs. It's really just that the hits in general have been much fewer uh, and far between than we've been used to seeing from him. So I don't know if, if moving him to, up to leadoff is really the what you want to go for right now. Um, you know, he does hit for that power. So you want to at least get guys on base. And I think that, you know, like you said, this these struggles with runners in scoring position, it is an anomaly. And I think that he's going to bust out of it at some point. Uh, so you just want to keep thrusting him in those situations, keep getting traffic on the base pass, giving him opportunities to collect a few hits in those situations and just feel a little bit more at ease. And maybe that helps, you know, settle him back in uh, and, and start being the Juan Soto plate discipline guy that we know him to be. Yeah, I'm, I was almost in the mind that you put him there to to bring him back at some point. Like maybe something, maybe it gets him going just a little bit. Um, you know, obviously there's not that many places to hit Cesar Hernandez, right? Like it's kind of, you know, he's a hits machine, but that's like kind of what he is. Right. Um, so that's interesting, you know, but yeah, they, it's just so weird to watch him this year. You know, the power is there. He's on pace. I think for 30 plus home runs, I believe is the pace right now. I think I did the number right around day. there. Yeah. Right around there. Um, depending on how many games he'll play. So yeah, you know, it's so weird to see aspects of the game totally there, but like the hit machine thing, it, you know, on a day-to-day basis, like there are some at bats. It almost feels like there's a maybe one at bat every day where you're like, "Hmm, that wasn't a Soto at bat." Like that's kind of how I'm feeling right now, and it's weird. It's really weird. 
it is weird, you know, and, and to watch him struggle like this. I mean, we really haven't seen Soto struggle like that ever. You know, he's just kind of been Mr. Consistent uh, in a lot of ways for him. So for him to kind of be off to this slow start, we didn't really think uh, it was possible for Soto uh, to be that guy, to be the guy, who, you know, like Harper, we saw his struggles. We saw him go through his ups and downs. He was a streaky player, but Soto throughout his career has really been Mr. Consistent. Uh, so for that, you know, I think it's surprising. Now, I will say, um, you know, a, a lot of people were kind of mad that Soto was fifth in uh, NL outfielders all-star voting. He's still yeah. tied for fifth in NL and OPS among NL outfielders. Like he is, even though he's struggling, still one of the best outfielders in the National League. And I don't think, you know, the, the top six guys make it or whatever from the fan vote. I think they're absolutely he deserves to be one of those six guys even with him you know hitting 215 or whatever you know batting average mm -hmm. matters less than it ever did i think we got to look at the, the bigger picture here and the bigger picture shows that he is still one of the better hitters uh in the national league especially among outfielders also he's well-known star which always uh which always does yeah. help as well for the vote yeah yeah uh all right Matt. So this is probably one of the last times you and i are gonna talk and we're not gonna start talking about like you know we're not talking a ton about we mentioned josh bell trade stuff but like the trade market, that's going to heat up soon, right? I mean, the deadline's what August? I forget the day as always. August fourth um, or something. Yeah, but first couple days you know, of August. Some teams like to get their business done early, which I actually am always a fan of. So those calls, they're going to start coming, right? I mean, in the Nationals, I think in the bullpen, Eric Fetty, you know, keep doing starts like he had last night, right? And we'll and we'll kind of get back on that train talking about stars of the Nationals. Good lord, they need arms just uh, that can go out there every five days at this point. Um, you know, so the next time you and I talk, right, I think that's going to start being the, the conversation here. Yeah, I think certainly as soon as July hits, that's about the time that you expect teams to start making moves. You know, the Nationals, as we've already heard from Mike Rizzo on the Junkies a couple of weeks ago, he, he already is expecting to be selling at the deadline. You know, that's a early announced uh, intentions for the Nationals. So there's really no question as to what the side of the market the Nationals will be on. Uh, come the deadline here and hey if you can get you know a, a trade a guy now and get a little bit bigger value because of the team acquiring him is having him for an extra month you know maybe you decide to pull the trigger on a josh bell trade uh, at this point or maybe one of the relievers i think like you said they really do need arms at this point uh so maybe they wait for some of their pitchers to get more healthy before you know considering a trade for a guy like fetty um, but you know, you never know. This is Mike Rizzo is an aggressive GM, and certainly uh, he has pulled off some surprises before. So I would expect anything at this point. Awesome, Matt Wire, NBC Sports Washington. Matt, let us know what you're working on and where people can find you and your work. Yep, I uh, just actually published a story yesterday talking about Adley Rushman, K. Bear Ruiz, uh, and how the two teams, Nationals and Orioles are building around young catchers and, and other teams across the league that are doing so as well and starts that they're off to. Uh, so definitely go check that out over at NBCSportsWashington.com or you can follow me on Twitter at by Matt Wyrick. All right, Matt Wyrick, NBC Sports Washington. We always appreciate your time. Thanks so much, Josh.